Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. All right, so we're going to start today with a bit of a, a guessing game, okay? So at one point, there were more than 2,500 of these things scattered around Milwaukee. Uh, they weren't always blue, but the ones that remain are. They're made of metal. They had a light on top. All right, get your guesses. Bobby, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about the old police and fire alarm call boxes. Yeah, I've wondered about these my whole life. In fact, you know, I've been in Milwaukee my entire life, and you get so used to seeing them in certain parts of the city that you almost, uh, they don't always recognize as special, but these have been here forever. And what a cool story that goes along with it. So how did you get interested in this story in the first place? Well, I've always been interested in these, having seen them around my entire life, you know, and the um, it was interesting because they were, I remember them as having a, an alarm you could pull on them uh, to call the fire department, but they also would have a phone in them. Like if you had a key, uh, like a police officer would have a key who could open one side of it and talk on the phone to call back to um, the precinct and that sort of thing before, uh, when you still had beat cops walking around and they didn't have cell phones and things, you know. Well, that makes sense. They were always around and they were always had a use. And uh, I've always liked them. I think, you know, the, there's a few designs out there, but there's one that kind of dates back to the 20s or even earlier that is a sort of a, a lovely decorative design um, in cast iron that just sort of speaks of an older Milwaukee, but they still stand around on street corners all over the city. And now that I've been trying to do these um, outdoor stories during the uh, right. pandemic, during the shutdown, um, this seemed like the perfect time to, to do this one. So you could even do like a little walking neighborhood history, I bet, with this story. Because once you start to see them, you, you do see them everywhere. I live on kind of the south end of Bayview, and there's one on the, the corner of KK and Oklahoma. Um, I know there's many, many others around the city. Of course, not nearly as many as there once were, but you could still see them around. So mm-hmm. how are they used, and how do they work, and do they still work? Well, at the moment, um, it's possible that some still work, but the majority apparently do not work anymore. You know, as the wiring has gone or the signal has been, you know, the wiring's been cut or whatever, they haven't fixed them because the police don't really use them anymore. Um, now that they all have cell phones and they have two-way radios and they're generally in cars, they're not on foot. Um, there's just, just hasn't been the need for them. Um, although it wasn't that long ago that school crossing guards actually still used them to call into the local precinct. They had to check in a couple of times a day and they would use them. Um, oh, really? And, yeah, what time period are we talking there? Do you know? That's into the early 90s, I think. Okay. Um, but again, then cell phones started to become so ubiquitous that I don't think they probably even needed them for that anymore. Um, but then, you know, the fire component, um, they used to, you would pull a switch, you know, that activated the alarm, and that would send a, a code through the system to all the firehouses and there would be a person whose job uh, at the firehouse was to get the code and look through this card file system they had, which would tell them, yeah, which would tell them, um, which, which, um, box it was the you know, the location of the box and then like which companies were supposed to respond on a first alarm. And then if there was a second alarm, which companies were supposed to show up, that sort of thing. Um, so it was sort of an antiquated, system in that sense but it worked you know 
Well, interesting that, that a few of these still survive because there was this big effort in the 1980s to remove all of them. In fact, uh, there was a, a plan in place to make sure not a single one of these police and fire boxes remained in the city. We're going to pick up that part of the story next at Urban Spelunking. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. And we're back on Urban Spelunking talking about the police and fire boxes that still exist around town. They don't all still work. Some of them are still, I guess, wired up, right, Bobby? But uh, the technology has moved on. We've got We've got cars and we have cell phones now, but such an interesting look at Milwaukee's past. Yeah. So, I mean, they, you know, some of them do still work apparently, but mostly they don't really work. And the city does not maintain the phones inside anymore. So while they do still maintain the boxes that are out on the street visually, um, you know, on the exterior, they don't fix the wiring or anything like that. So back in the 1980s, there was an effort to remove these police and fireboxes. Tell me the story there. How did that get started? And, and what's the why? Why? Because it seems kind of counterintuitive. Why would you want to get rid of these? Right. Well, the problem is the initially was the, was the fire alarm part of it because there were too many people pulling false alarms. Um, you know, and false mm. alarms are, cost precious resources, right? I mean, it's it, every time, you know, a, a fire company has to hop on their trucks and drive someplace for no good reason. They're not available to respond to a proper call. Right. Um, right. So in, um, 1985, there were nearly 11,000 false alarms pulled from the boxes and it cost the city more than $283,000, um, to respond to those calls. Um, and then in 1986, there were 11,500 alarms pulled from the fire boxes in the city and 10,400 of them were false alarms, like 90%. And most people who pulled false alarms never got caught. So there was no way to find out who did it, how to stop people doing it. It just, it, it was completely out of control. It was, you know, it was draining the finances. It was sapping the ability of fire department units to be where they needed to be because they were constantly running around chasing these calls that were not, uh, were not real. Um, and so in 1986, they decided to start removing the boxes. So any, if it was a strictly a fire call box, they took the whole thing out. Um, they took out some combination fire and police boxes, um, and they took the fire alarm option off the other combination police and fire boxes. And the goal was to get rid of all of the boxes by the end of 1988. Um, but luckily that did not happen. Um, because we still have some, but, um, you know, the police side remained working for a little while. There were still crossing guards using them, um, to check in. Um, okay. but in 1987 is when the 911 system basically took over. So if you had an issue, if you needed to call in fire or a, a crime or something, you, everybody had a phone and dialed 911. You didn't really need the box on the corner anymore. Um, and then even police beat cops, yeah, and of course, when it when it became nine one one, it was a lot easier to to trace those those false alarms, right? But when you just Absolutely. were talking about when you're talking about a box on the sidewalk, there's just no way to trace that. Right, right. So somebody just pulled it and ran. 
you know, and there, so there was no way to know. So the ones that are remaining now, I guess, what's the, what are they used for and, and why is the city maintaining them? So amazingly enough, the city maintains them because people like them, <laughs> which is a, which is an, which is an answer I love, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's a massive drain, you know, they basically paint them. Um, and if they get broken, they tend to get hit by cars and things like that. They, uh, will repair them if they can, you know, they, and if they can't, they, those are the ones they remove. And then they keep the ones they removed at the, uh, DPW service yard in Menominee Valley. And they use those for parts to fix the ones that still are out on the street. Um, so people sometimes drive down uh, Canal Street and they see all those boxes standing there in that city yard and they're always amazed and they want to buy one, but you can't. They're there for the parts. I just love that the city keeps them because people like them. They know that people enjoy seeing them, that they're, they you know, are, are something that brings smiles to people. So they actually think it's worth the effort that they put into it to give people a little something that they like. And I love all the details that you found about these boxes with the like the original plans for how these things were constructed and all the photos of these these boxes through the ages because they kind of they changed how they were constructed and painted and the, the kind of the form factor changed over the years. And you were able to track down the call boxes through through the ages, which was really cool. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was the and the fortunately the city actually had a lot of those pictures and could share them with me. And you got to see some really unique styles, some that I remember from when I was a kid, but some that uh, are even much older than that, that older people will, re- will probably remember seeing when they were little. Um, and then they also sent me a blueprint for the for an early version of the boxes that you often see out there now. Well, I got to say that I saw one early in the gardening season. I was out at Plantland, which is a partner of 88.9s. And Right around that time was when you were just starting to work on the story, and I had to snap the picture because, hey, there's also one at Plantland, <laughs> like, seemingly kind of randomly, but who knows how it got there? But it, you know, the, I wonder if there's more of these in, in garages or in places around town. Um, oh, I think you know, there the are. Stor- yeah, and the storage room at the city headquarters has got to be really interesting to see. Yeah. So, so do you have a map? I forget on the just incidentally. Is there a like where do you find some of these? Oh, no, there is is no map. And, you know, I was a little careful about, um, I mean, people find know where they are. I mean, it's not that big of a secret or anything. But like when I I sort of blurred out the street name on the main picture on my story, because I didn't want to give the thieves um, any hints on where to go looking for them, because people do come by. There have been rashes of thefts of people coming and uh, stealing them. They just pick them up and put them in a pickup truck and drive away. All right, so we got to say officially that that is not okay from that the host here. That is not okay. Yeah, absolutely leave those call not boxes. Okay. <laughs> Put it back. Put it back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the pictures, and you can see them for yourself at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcast. Such a fun story, something I've always wondered about, Bobby, and you answered my question, and I'm sure so many others out there. So check out the complete story at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. And podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from On Milwaukee. You can find all of our podcasts at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts on Spreaker, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find podcasts, you can find us as well. And while you're there, we ask that you would rate and review the podcast. Helps us get the word out to more and more folks. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tenzilla, thank you. Thanks, Nate.